Joining us now, he is boots on the ground up at uh, Beth Page, Rex Hargard of the Golf Channel. What's going on, Rex? Morning, guys. How are you? Good, Rex. Doing great. You know, our first question out of the box this morning in our in our question segment was, Brooks Kepka is crushing the field. Is this thing over? What do you think? Uh, you know, I learned a valuable lesson a few years ago when I called the Open Championship over. I think, if I remember this correctly, Adam Scott was four up before to play, and he ended up losing. So, yeah, I... <laughs> I don't hand trophies out until they provide all 72. I, it's just a rule of mine now. I just, I, I'm a little uncomfortable, but it certainly seems that way. I mean, and the only way it's not over if, if, is if he comes back a little bit. Because yeah. as good as Adam Scott is playing this week, as good as Jordan Speed and Tommy Fleetwood and the rest of them are playing, this isn't kind of golf course you can make up that much ground. I know Bricks has made it look easy, but it is not. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, uh He's just, you know, I think I said it earlier, is that the it's like the fairways that he has missed has been, you know, it's like he's had like 160 yards or less in, and he's been able to just kind of, you know, muscle it onto the green. And, you know, it seems like that everybody else, when they miss a fairway, like watching with Tiger, when Tiger missed a fairway, he was like 180 or 200 yards out on, the, on those holes and, and had to lay up. So it's just been very interesting that when he's missed, it hasn't been an issue. I mean, yeah, I mean, you saw that yesterday. I was walking with the, with that group just to sort of see how Tiger finished and obviously how Brooks was going to finish. And he misses a fairway right, and under normal circumstances, that, that would have been trouble. I mean, he had been staring at bogey, and he ends up hitting it to 10, 15 feet and making birdie. And Tiger talked about this after his round, and he can drive it far enough that he can get it down where if you have to wedge it out of the rough, he, he's strong enough, close enough, he can get it there. And he's also missing in the right spots. If you look at a lot of his misses, they're not in a really bad spot. And there's a lot of them here at Beth Page. I mean, that should be the nickname. It should be Beth Page, the wrong spot. <laughs> Rex, how different is the setup in this PGA as opposed to the U.S. Open setups you've seen there in the past? There was a lot of talk earlier in the week. Actually, Roy brought this up a few weeks ago at the Wells Fargo Championship about how the two U.S. Opens that have been played here versus the two PGA Tour events, and Roy felt like they were going to sort of lean towards the two PGA Tour events as far as setup goes. And the PGA of America always kind of airs on the side of the player, so to speak. Right. However, we, when you got here and you walked around the property, this is a U.S. Open. And I don't know, I mean, this is not a knock against the PGA of America, I don't know if you could set it up to be anything else. I mean, this is the, this course's DNA. It's a U.S. Open, tough venue. There's nothing tricky about it. I, I, my guess is if you came here three months from now, it would still look like a U.S. Open venue. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I I played it twice back in 2008, uh, almost this time frame, and, you know, the rough was just, it's not really tall, but it's nasty, and you can get good lives, you can get bad lives, and it all depends uh, the kind of breaks you get. Um, but speaking of Tiger, um, Tiger was not prepared for this event, and uh, it, was, it was very obvious that he obviously hadn't had a whole lot of time to put the practice in. Uh, is that kind of the vibe that you got? It is, yeah. I mean, and look, Tiger doesn't make excuses. That's not what he does, and, and I think he did yesterday what he normally does, which is say simply play better. That, that's what he needed to do. Uh, however, I, I think you can sort of look at the DNA of this and, and figure it out. I mean, just go back. He hasn't played since winning the Masters, which was, for all accounts and for all the right reasons, a very emotional victory. I mean, he, he put a lot into that. Obviously, coming out of that, it probably took him a little time to decompress and wrap his mind around it. So I don't think it was out of the ordinary that he hadn't played, you know, since winning the Masters before getting here. But then it was kind of compounded by the fact that he only played nine holes here on Monday in a cold rain on a golf course that really is much different than what they found on Thursday and Friday. 
he didn't even come to the golf course on Wednesday. I, I think there is something to be said for rust. And you're talking about a guy that has prided his career on always being prepared for major championships. I just think this is one of those times because of circumstances. He was sick on he was sick on Wednesday, couldn't come to the golf course. This sort of the fallout from the Masters and trying to just to wrap his mind around that. It's hard to think how he could have been prepared for this. Rex, do you give any credence to uh, the Masters? Uh, he, he may have been a little hurt by that, and I mean physically hurt, where you know the videos showed him gingerly walking around. Uh, do you do you think that had anything to do with this performance this week? I don't think this was body related, no? and I think okay. it's always. I think his, his his career going forward is all going to be body related. I guess that being said, because he said it himself this week. I thought it was a very telling quote that he said he wakes up more mornings feeling older than he is than he. In the mornings, he wakes up feeling younger than he is. And I think I'll go back to last year at the Ryder Cup. Uh, he was getting into a golf cart on Saturday morning. And, and keep in mind, this is the week after winning at Eastlake. And right. it, it's a pretty exhausting run that he's on. And, and he slumped into a golf cart looking like a guy that's had poor back surgery. Yeah. Mm. I mean, he, he did not look great. And I, I think that's what he's trying to avoid. And I think physically, yes, the Masters was very taxing on his back, on the rest of his body. However, that being said, I don't think that was the case this week. I think it was more he was sick on Wednesday. It just never was able to get into a flow. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I said I, I felt like that, for me, he wasn't a favorite coming in. Could he have finished in the top 20? Yeah, he could have. Obviously, he was sick and things didn't work out. But for me, I was looking at the U.S. Open. I say, you know what? He's going to go play. In, you know he's going to play in Jack's tournament two weeks before the U.S. Open. He will probably, for me, use that more of a prepare for Pebble Beach. So you'll see shots at, at uh, Jack's place that will be shots that he'll be working on for Pebble Beach. And then I think he's got to be a favorite at Pebble Beach at this point. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, coming into this week, I didn't think Tiger should be a favorite either. I, I kind of picked him as the week's biggest disappointment, and not because – I saw this coming about him not possibly being prepared. It had more to do with this way this golf course is set up. I mean, as great as Tiger was at Augusta, and he was great, he didn't drive the ball particularly well. He finished middle of the pack in fairways hit, and that's, that's something at Augusta where there's big fairways. You can't get away with missing that many fairways here. He was pitching out a lot, having to hack out of the rough, and that's a bad combination for here. Going forward to Pebble Beach, I think you're absolutely right. I think that would be the one I'd pick. Do you, uh, you know, the, the difference in those two roughs, like you just discussed, Rex, I mean, that is tax hitting, hitting a ball out of that rough at Beth Page is taxing on your back anyway. Um, you know, I've had a few back, a couple back surgeries, and I know in cool weather and heavy rough like that, if, if you're missing fairways, you're not going to be feeling good after each round. I mean, I'm just telling you, that's the way it is for me, you know. And I'm sure it's probably the same way for Tiger, to be honest with yeah. you. I mean, he, he seemed fine yesterday coming off the golf course. Uh, he seemed to have his speed. And actually, the last couple holes coming down the stretch, I mean, he actually played pretty good, Tee to Green. And he, I actually thought he was going to make the cut. I mean, he's got a wedge in his hand. It was a sand wedge on the 18th hole when he needs to make birdie to make the cut. That's the kind of thing we're used to seeing Tiger seeing, so, uh, doing. Uh, yeah, so, I, yeah, I was pretty surprised that he didn't get it done. Yeah, I was, I was really surprised with that golf shot on 18. Um, do you, do you think um, that the, the Pebble Beach thing is is I mean, do you, who knows how ready he's going to be for that? Just because in the post game interview yesterday afternoon he said, you know, this is the way it's going to be. I'm going to play really good, and I'm going to be I'm not going to play really good. And, and I think he understands that that's the way it's going to be for the rest of his career. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, this is the new reality. Yeah. And 
I kind of wrote this last night, and I think we're going to continue to have those quintessential highs like we had at Augusta National, yeah. and then we're going to have these lows. And sometimes that's going to happen in major championships. He said he's going to cut back his schedule. I think this is going to be the new norm, yeah. to be quite honest with you. And I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I'll take this. We're used to seeing him contend week in and week out in every single major. I don't know if that's physically realistic mm-hmm. for him anymore. Yeah. All right, so let's take a look at what what we've got. I mean, for me – Adam Scott is really the only person in the field. I mean, Dustin Johnson, yeah, but I, I kind of, I mean, he he had a chance to elevate up the leaderboard, and then everything kind of went sideways on his back nine. For me, the one that's going toe to toe in terms of T two green is Adam Scott. I mean, Adam Scott shot sixty four yesterday. That probably, with even remotely decent putting, is a sixty two, sixty one, possibly. Um, but do any of these guys really have a shot? And what do they got to shoot today? Let's say, just say Brooks. I mean, if Brooks shoots even par, Jordan Spieth, Adam Scott probably have to shoot at least six under to get themselves back in the ball game. Yeah, I mean that's what's going to have to happen. And, and I don't see Brooks blinking. I mean, he might. I mean, it's golf. We we all know that weird things can happen. But I, it's hard for me to see how Brooks Koepka shoots something over par. I mean, he did go to the range yesterday after his round. He worked with his swing coach Claude Harmon. And, Said he needed to fix something, although watching those 18 holes, I don't know what in the world he needed to fix in that golf swing. But, uh, yeah, I think one of these guys is going to have to step up and shoot a 64, maybe even a 63 today to have any kind of chance at all, realistic chance, going into Sunday. And I think Adam's probably a good bet. And I'll be the first to admit, I, I wouldn't have thought in a million years Jordan Spieth would be in this yeah. conversation because he had been driving the ball so poorly this season. But he seems to have found something this week, and he's suddenly starting to make those 20-footers that we haven't seen in quite a while. So I wouldn't write him off either. Yeah, I mean, for me, Jordan Spieth, uh, it's, it's you know, obviously he shot one under on Thursday, 66 yesterday. I've got to see it in, in a couple consecutive rounds out of Jordan. Um, but back to your point about Brooks going to the range, I did feel like in the second half of that round yesterday that he was a little late getting back to the ball and hitting – you know the the cut that he's been playing, and it and it's I really think I mean when you start looking at his driving his average driving distance, I mean he's not leading the field, he's not in the top ten. I think he's really hitting that controlled cut. Um, I think it started to get a little bit. It started a little further right, so I think there was something there in the release. So I think that's probably what he was working on. That'll be the key for me to see starting out in the first couple of holes, especially you know right off of number one. And probably not necessarily on two or three, but one and four, it'll be interesting to see how those tee shots react and if he gets it in the fairway. Because I do think he was hitting a little bit of a push cut instead of the starting it left and cutting it back to the middle for me. Yeah, I mean, that probably explains it. I mean, you have a better idea of the swing than I do. So uh, there was clearly something as he walked off the golf course, he turned to Claude and said they needed to do some work. And he probably spent about 20 minutes last night on the range after the round. And when you look at what he's able to do on this golf course, I think you're probably right. I mean, I think the control cut is absolutely the right go-to shot. I mean, I've watched him play the first hole the first two days just out of curiosity because the dog leg right, you're kind of it's kind of a blind shot to the green. And I mean, the way he's executing those shots is just so impressive. It's just, and it's not just you know him hitting the ball really well, and, and statistically he's just superior to everybody else in this field. But you look, at, you know, when you win a golf tournament, Rex, and you know this, and I've watched it forever. Um, you got to have some breaks to win a golf tournament. I don't care, you know, if you've got a five-shot lead, seven-shot lead, whatever it is. You know, that lie he had on 18 in the rough was I – mean, that thing was perfect. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff that also has to happen if you're going to win a major golf tournament. 
No, I agree. And I think this is, this goes a little bit to what Tiger was saying about, you know, when he does miss, he seems to miss in the right place. Now, whether that was by design or luck, I'm not quite sure. But it, it, even when he's had to hack out, he, he's always played a smart shot. And you have to be impressed with how he's he, he has the ability to overpower this golf course and to be aggressive and shoot these low scores. But when the few times that we have seen him put himself into a bad position, he's played the smart shot and he hasn't tried to do anything crazy or heroic and he knows it's a very long week, and he's learned that through what he's been able to accomplish in the major championships. He talked about it earlier in the week. That the most important thing he's learned about winning a Grand Slam event is that just keep yourself in the conversation until late Sunday afternoon and see what happens. So is Brooks Kepka a Hall of Famer now, or does he need to win this and becomes a Hall of Famer? I mean, this would be four major championships and five PGA Tour wins, so one other win on the PGA Tour besides potentially four majors. Uh, I'm not very good at these conversations. I don't. It's funny we were having come, uh, Hall of Fame conversations earlier in the week because it, it's the Hall of Fame now. The criteria is such a sliding scale. I mean, we've seen, and, and I'm not, you know, debating whether or not if a guy like Freddie Couples should have gotten in or should not have gotten in. But if that's the litmus test now, so one major and 13 PGA Tour events, is that where we're drawing the line? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a baseball guy, so you can always kind of go to the numbers and say, okay, this is sort of the baseline. Um, I, I think he's very, very close, if not in. And it would be, in my opinion, if I had a vote, simply because, like I consider, I think Andy North should be in. Because when you win back-to-back U.S. Opens, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. But I know a lot of people probably disagree with me. Yeah, well, I think from Freddie's standpoint, because the Hall of Fame measures the Players' Championship right there with a the major, when you look at Freddie, one major championship, the Masters, and two Players' Championships, to me that seals the deal along with the 13 wins. Um, so... You know, you look at Brooks, I mean, you know, I mean, in his career, he's got four Challenge Tour wins, one European Tour win, one PGA Tour win, and then three major championships. So we're getting to the point where he could end up winning more majors than, you know, all the other tournaments combined. <laughs> uh, that would be a pretty good career. I think we'd all take that. I think there's uh, probably about 100 and something players in the field this week that might take that. Well, I mean, put it in context, if he wins this week, I mean, he has as many majors as Rory McIlroy. And yeah. I think we can all agree that Rory's in the Hall of yeah. Fame at this point. Now, I know that he doesn't have the other events that sort of stack up alongside the Players' Championships and everything else that Rory has done. But when you think it's where Brooks is at in his career, and I think the most impressive thing is he is now just about a year removed from being on the couch and not having being able to play the Masters with an injury. So yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty impressive when you sit and you put it all together. Do you see DJ doing anything? We really haven't talked about that a whole lot. Um, how's, how's his game look to you, Rex, at this point? Uh, T.D. Green, he's every bit as good as Brooks. and In my mind, they're kind of the same player. I know that's not disrespectful. I mean, no, they, I they play very similar games. It, and it, they're both impressive. T.D. Green, I, I think the difference for DJ this week has been the putting. putting. He was just awful yeah. yesterday with his putting. I mean, he, I think he made five putts inside or outside five feet for, mm. for the first two days. He's going to have to do better than that. But, yeah. I mean, ball striking your wise, he absolutely could, but he needs to get some putts to drop. Yeah. All right, where's this score going to end up? Uh, I mean, does Brooks go three under, three under, get to like 18 under? Can he sniff 20? Uh, I think he can, absolutely. I, my guess is if we set up today, it's going to be a little bit harder. That's sort of the MO of the PGA of America. So you'll feel the whole point a little bit longer. The golf course played about 200 yards shorter than it could yesterday. So they, they did give him a little bit. I expect to see the full boat today, so to speak, and some, some pins that are in tougher positions. So if he gets to 18, this is a multi-stroke victory. I, my guess is it's going to be something close to 15, 16, 17. All right. Well, Rex, we always appreciate you taking some time and coming on with us. Have a great weekend up there at Bethpage. Thanks, guys.